Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host D-Blex Lesalon. In this episode, I'm so excited and humbled to have this chat with Aishwara Srida. Aishwara is a 24-year-old award-winning wildlife filmmaker, photographer and presenter. Her debut documentary was telecast on DD National, India's state-owned broadcaster, and has helped protect the last remaining wetlands of Mumbai. She is working with the local fishing communities, NGOs, and the state towards policy-level protection for wetlands in Maharashtra and is the youngest member of the State Wetland Brief uh, Documentation Committee. During the COVID-19 lockdown, she directed and presented an eight-part digital series for WWF India, which focuses on inculcating uh, the love for wildlife in children through origami. Recently, she hosted Nature for uh, Future on uh, Discovery Channel India, a unique wildlife chat focusing on India's most endangered species. Her work has been featured in international and national newspapers and magazines like BBC Wildlife, Guardian, Mongabe, Digital Camera, Times of India, Century Asia, Cyvers, just to name a few. In 2020, she became the first Indian woman to win at the 56th uh, Wildlife Photographer of the Year in London. Currently, her film uh, Tiger Queen of Taru is airing worldwide on National Geographic Wild. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. I started uh, my journey, I think, from a very early age, my acquaintance with wildlife began because my family moved to this green patch outside Mumbai city. Uh, It's called Navi Mumbai and uh, the place I live is Panvel. So that was a very, very uh, green portion in the in the midst of this uh, crowded city so you ha- i had wildlife all kinds of birds and animals right in my backyard itself so that's how i began uh, getting closer to nature and i formed this bond with her and my father is also a member of the bombay natural history society uh, who is now a member even i am so i used to like travel with him on the various wildlife trips that he used to take me on and each of them brought me closer to a new species or, or the other so i began getting interested that way and then um Simultaneously, I was also watching National Geographic and all these different uh, television channels on natural history. And I also realized the impact that the visual medium has on people. So I wanted to do something in that space to be able to tell stories of the natural world to the people out there who don't know much about it. And I felt the camera would be the best possible way to do that. And that's one of the reasons I decided to take up wildlife filmmaking and photography. Wow. So you did wildlife filmmaking and photography in university? Uh, No, I didn't study it formally. I am completely self-taught by that way. But uh, I did study mass media for my university. So that had a portion of filmmaking and photography as two different subjects. Oh, great. And what what drives your passion for photography and filmmaking, uh, Ashwari? Uh, Initially, it was uh, just my love for nature. And uh, so I wasn't someone who uh, fell in love with photography and then thought that wildlife photography was cool and fun. But instead, I was a person who was first fascinated with wildlife and hence decided to pick up the camera to tell stories of the wild. So that is that forms like the basis on which my images and my documentaries are based on. And um, Right now, I feel that it's very, very urgent to document 
the different issues that are play, plaguing our wildlife and uh, kind of stopping conservation from happening because we are facing the sixth mass extinction. And I really feel that this is the time that we're living right now is like the most crucial phase in history. Uh, whatever our actions are during this period will decide our future. So that's one of the main reasons I feel that prompts me to get up every day out of bed and uh, go out there and bring a new story to life, which urges people to protect what's left on our planet. Fantastic. I totally agree with you on that one. And talking of being fascinated with wildlife right from a young age, Aishwara, um, you made a very good film to depict that. This is the tiger queen of Taru. And could yes. you take us through how the process of making that film came about? Uh, yes, sure. So basically, uh, Tiger Queen of Taru is a very special film for me. Uh, I saw Maya when I was 15 years old. And that was the first time I had gone to Taroba. And she is one of the most bold and most beautiful uh, wild Bengal tigress that you can find uh, in the wilderness of India. And she's also one of the most famous today as of now. And the most photographed. So... Um, from the day I first saw her, I think I had this deep bond with her. She became my favorite. And no matter to this date, whenever I enter Taroba, I somehow, even if I don't go searching for her, she does find me. So following her across uh, over the years, uh, there was this one incident in her life which uh, prompted me to think that she can be a very good subject for a film. So she false mated with her former mate and uh, she used that mate to kick out an intruder who had destroyed her family. So the, seeing this display of almost human-like behavior, the capability of strategizing in a wild animal, I felt that she was a very, very strong subject to portray that big cats are not just these fierce uh, carnivores, but instead they also have a humane side to them and they can also be capable of empathizing, sympathizing and love. So that is, uh, that's how I got this idea of putting together a documentary on her. So initially I used to enter the park with no uh, thought of filming her, but I used to just keep following her and her activities and uh, shooting a lot of videos of her. But then when this incident happened after that, I felt why not go back, pull those videos together and make something out of it. And whatever remaining I, ha I didn't have, I asked some of my friends to help me out because I was studying school as well and then college. Uh, and then during that time as well, I have gone and filmed at Taroba. So it was a whole journey of six years that finally culminated in Tiger Queen of Taru. Fantastic. Why this tiger? Someone might ask, why this tiger? And what sort of impact were you looking to achieve with this film? Uh, so the, one of the main impact that I was uh, wanting to achieve with this film is to change the perspectives of people towards big cats. Uh, a lot of my friends and uh, even uh, distant family, they ask me that when I, when I tell them I work with uh, tigers and lions and all as uh, subjects of my films, their first reaction is, aren't they dangerous? Uh, don't you get scared that they would eat you? So these are uh, <laughs> some of the myths or uh, pers 
perceptions that I wanted to break with uh, the Tiger Queen of Taro and tell them that these cats are not just raw predators as such, but uh, they're also capable of sympathizing and they also are like humans. So by attributing human-like elements to a carnivore, I wanted to connect the audience, the bigger public with them and make them fall in love with uh, Maya as a tigress. Fantastic. And how crucial is it to, 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 to bring those aspects together of, uh, you know, showcasing and or rather depicting human-like behaviors on, on animals and showing the audience that? How crucial is that in wildlife documentary? Um, I feel it's a very innovative and unique way of storytelling because um, we have had this age-old uh, tradition of, or, the, or the format, I would say, of normal documentary-style filmmaking. And uh, in that, many a times I have seen that the audience is not really connected with what's going on screen. But uh, while attributing human-like characteristics, there's a sense of entertainment. Uh, there, the, the audience is on the edge. I remember one person after seeing Queen of Taru telling me that at every point in her life, we were rooting for Maya and we wanted to know what would happen. Would she succeed? And we, ha we were on our, uh, on the, like the edge of our seat, wondering, will she be finally able to raise a successful litter? So uh, at the end, I want people to get entertained, but at the same time, drive home a message with my films. And uh, attributing human characteristics to a wild animal, I feel really does help that way. Wow, and I really like that because uh, you use that very carefully and intentionally in this film to, to drive the audience, you know, to inspire action among the audience and to create that sense of empathy and responsibility towards these animals. And uh, I sure, uh, yeah, uh, welcome. Uh, what, what, what are some of the challenges that you encountered along, along the way uh, while making this film or even, you know, in your journey since you started? Uh, so while making this film, there weren't any challenges as such. Uh, possibly the only one I would say was the fact that there was too much content and I didn't know like which to keep and which to exclude from the final edit. So that was probably one of the only challenge I faced because there was so much data on Maya uh, across seven years and it was like really confusing as to which part would make it to the final film and which would not. But uh, in terms of the other challenges, in fact, very recently I did face one and that is cyberbullying. I never felt that, uh, in fact, I never thought that in wildlife uh, trolls existed or cyberbullying was there, in fact. But um, it happened because I didn't hire a drone operator for a job and uh, he went about writing all sorts of uh, you know, slandering things on social media, things which I had never ever done in life. And uh, that really uh, did, you know, upset me. And I was wondering that why are people uh, spreading hate so much just because you don't give them a job? Sure. And, and possibly I feel that it happened more because he was a guy and he couldn't probably take no from for an answer from a girl. Mm. So... Um, you know, he felt that it was his uh, right to just slander her in public. Yeah. 
yeah so the, i i really that was one of the major challenges i faced very recently in fact it's very very that's quite unfortunate and thank you so much for bringing that into light instead of pe- some people are are just ungrateful instead of appreciating your input your your work uh, uh, I'm, I'm 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 very sad to hear that there are some people out there who don't understand this and don't get it right from the word go and uh, right i understand and i feel that for you thank you thank you so much i find it really weird uh, and and in fact this social media i would say has two different uh, sides of the same coin i mean and on one side it's it's a boon it helps you connect and uh, you know harness the power to change and get your message across to a to a global audience but at the same time uh, using that same social media are these miscreants who think that they have uh, the birthright to say whatever they want sure and uh, i'm sure you handled that situation well because your work speak speaks for itself your track record is out there people can see the kind of impact that you're having with your photographs you with your yes. films right yeah yes so, absolutely yeah so thank you so much for sharing that ash um Ash, you, you mentioned something very important while you are starting, that it's, it, it has become very urgent to document and to put out wildlife, nature, climate change. You know, people are uh, uh, protesting, you know, uh, climate change, Fridays for Future, and right. all these things. And I'm sure it's COVID which has accelerated uh, this call to action that we need to really uh, go back to the drawing board and uh, see how we've been relating to nature. And as you put it, we are facing the six-month ma- mass extinction. And um, could you tell us uh, how has the growth in technology changed the way people interact and relate with nature? Oh, it's changed a lot. I would say that technology has really brought about uh, different and unique ways in which you can help in wildlife conservation. I was reading up an article recently and I came across this fact that uh, South Africa has implemented something called a SMART, uh, which is like spatial monitoring and reporting technology, which is used to track illegal wildlife trade within the country's uh, different parts. So that is something which is like amazing, the way they have harnessed technology to bring that to a positive change and impact. And the same thing, uh, even in India, I mean, there is drone surveillance that is being done in national parks and reserves um, to ensure that poaching and illegal activities are not happening within the protected areas. There is also camera trapping that is being done. And camera trapping, I feel, is a very, very uh, unique way to get a sneak peek into the world of animals. Because a lot of times when we go on safaris and we click them from the confines of a gypsy or a vehicle, but you don't, you, you actually don't see that connection that is present in a camera trap image. So you get to, you get to really be there with the animal. There's a sense of intimacy and bond. Uh, that is created through the images of camera trap and um, camera traps are also used to monitor the animals and even for census even for tiger census in india it's used so that again is uh, because of technology that's happened then you have um, even acoustic 
recording and monitoring as well uh, so you animals use we all know that animals use sounds right to communicate for uh, even for sexual displays or for territorial uh, defense but a lot of times these sounds of some animals are inaudible to human ears but using acoustic monitoring sensors and uh, recorders we can pick up these sounds and understand animal behavior we can understand their distribution their abundance and so so much that we can do with technology even in wildlife filmmaking there's like uh, we now have stereoscopic 8k that's available this 360 degree vr that's possible in wildlife storytelling so these different methods cater to different audiences and it brings people from all walks of life who have never connected with nature before closer together so someone who's probably interested in gaming and vr if you show him a film on wildlife which is shot on 360 vr then possibly he would also be able to you know talk about a tiger that exists in russia or in india instead of you know just thinking uh, and not knowing about the species at all sure thank you so much for sharing that and uh, what advice will you give young and upcoming filmmakers because they are the ones who are tech savvy they are the ones who are up to date with the latest technology and uh, you know technological tools to use and uh, uh, how to relate with nature and uh, you know make, take photographs and do films what what advice will you give these young folks uh, i would tell them that um, follow your passion and never ever think of uh the hardships that come in the way because every journey has its own ups and downs uh use every criticism that is thrown at you in a positive way and try and use that to build your career use them as building blocks to learn and uh become a better version of yourself every single day and in in wildlife photography and filmmaking i feel one of the key things that you need to have is a deep sense of passion and love for the subject if you don't have that then somewhere down the line you would find this boring because you need a lot of patience on the field so some for people who are absolutely in love with nature only i would tell them only y'all take up this because otherwise it what happens is that uh you're not able to convey the story as good as probably someone who loves wildlife would so you need to have that connect and my advice would be that work hard and first learn the technical ropes of filmmaking and then sky is the limit for you wow wow that's that's so good thank you for that um switching on gears now um according to you ash uh, do you believe more women should be given leadership roles in conservation according to your experience absolutely absolutely i feel that uh, more and more women should be given uh, roles even leadership roles in conservation and this is not just from a uh, from a grassroots community level but even to the highest uh, international policy making and law level because um, women bring a unique sense of perspective and uh, thought process to the job and it's not just uh the fa- the fact that you know women can influence children and because they are also uh, mothers but women should really have a say in wildlife conservation a lot of times i have seen on the ground uh 
be it with tribal communities, be it with local fishing communities over here. Uh, it's, the, it's the women who interact with wildlife every single day. Uh, it's the girls and the uh, mothers who go out and collect firewood for the house, who collect water, and they are traversing through uh, animal corridors. So it's important for them to understand what conservation is, and we need to empower them both uh, socially as well as financially uh, to become role models for younger girls who can look at them and seek inspiration. Fantastic. I totally agree with you on that one, Ash. Um, and uh, being well-traveled you know, around the world, what are some of the biggest threats facing wildlife and, and their habitats that you have come across? Oh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, take it on, take it on. <laughs> okay, so I will say uh, poaching, uh, illegal wildlife trade, um, this uh, the sense of you know conflict that uh, conflict of interest between ecology and economy, yeah. uh, indiscriminate habitat loss, uh, mm -hmm. as these are some of the major threats that are facing our wildlife and its habitats today. Unless and until we protect the habitat of the animal, we cannot save wildlife. Uh, we can't just talk about saving the tiger or saving the lion or the elephant without protecting their home, right? Only yeah. when they have a sustainable ecosystem to thrive will the species number increase, their population increase. Uh, so right now, uh, with the pandemic, uh, one of the biggest reasons the health crisis has come about is because of illegal wildlife trade. So we should, I think, collectively as uh, as uh, all the countries come together and we should collectively decide to put a ban on wildlife trade uh, i know it is it's tough because a lot of local uh, you know uh, like very grassroots level communities depend on this for their daily income for them it's not about conservation of a species it's about putting uh, a meal on the table for their kids or for their family sure uh, and that's the reason they are in this field uh, or in this illegal industry as such. But if we can empower them financially and uh, get them to switch gears from becoming pompochers to becoming conservationists of, or becoming legal guardians of these animals, uh, maybe through ecotourism and empowering them uh, through these different initiatives, then I'm very sure that illegal wildlife trade can be banned and discontinued forever. Wow, thank you so much for that. Um, and Ash, do you have any mentorship programs uh, to train young people and share them uh, with your skill sets, uh, which is very important, you know, to, to represent the underrepresented voices who are trying to make their way in the filmmaking space? Do you have any of those programs? And what, what, what sort of, you know, uh, uh, way do you want people to engage with you? Uh, right now, I don't have any mentorship program as such, but uh, to all the upcoming uh, filmmakers and photographers who are listening to this, uh, there are different opportunities that you can find on the internet and one such is Jackson Wilde's uh, mentorship program. So they have like uh, a quarterly mentorship uh, program available. Uh, it's a virtual one which you can register for and you get to meet uh, incredible leaders in the filmmaking and uh, broadcast industry of wildlife. So that's a very good program that you can sign up for. Uh, 
and um, i am coming up with a couple of workshops with uh, canon india so you all can tune into that uh, there's two of them happening in the month of june uh, one on 6th and one on 26th of june uh, which talk about photography and how you can create more impactful images uh, so you all can sign up for that otherwise you all can connect with me on my instagram account uh, my username is chiku_wild You spell Chiku as C H I K O underscore Wild. Fantastic, um, Ash. What's your favorite animal? <laughs> oh my, that is a really difficult question. <laughs> uh, the answer keeps changing all the time. I mean, every single day. Uh, but uh, yeah, as of now, if you ask me, I'd probably say um, the elephant. why elephants <laughs> uh, because um there's this unique culture in india where you worship the elephant as lord ganesha and uh, even in terms of uh, my uh, like induction into wildlife my the probably the first animal that i big animal that i saw was an elephant in a uh. temple down south so um so there's this uh, ritual that we have here where Uh, you have uh, temples having elephants and these elephants bless children as such young kids <laughs> so when i was really so small my parents took me to this temple down south and uh, the elephant had blessed me as well so it was probably the first time i saw such a huge wild animal standing in front of me so <laughs> yeah that's why the elephant <laughs> I thought you'd say tiger but wow I love elephants too they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> no I would have said tiger but uh, <laughs> but it's 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 kind of uh, it's very predictable. <laughs> I know right. <laughs> okay. Um where's your favorite travel destination Ash? Okay. Um again that's a difficult one. Um so within India I would say um with the western ghats because there is so much that is left to explore uh, the there's so much every day to discover in this unique landscape they call the sky islands in india and uh, the biodiversity of the western ghats is super rich so i would i it's been my longest desire to go and explore that i did get a chance to do that before lockdown but not for many days so i'm really looking forward to go and explore the western ghats after this lockdown lifts perfect uh before we 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 end this um where do you see the future in storytelling um um and wildlife filmmaking in the next few years ash I see that uh, I really hope that more uh, local voices are heard in the industry as such of wildlife storytelling it's not just about uh, conveying blue chip documentaries and making them of course there are huge huge uh, market for these kind of films but also local indigenous uh, storytellers should be empowered to tell their own stories of uh, local communities or wildlife conservation issues that they face on a day to day basis uh and even in terms of diversity i really hope that now that the talk has begun of diversity more women and more uh diverse uh communities are included in this in this industry fantastic what a brilliant brilliant conversation what a guest we've had thank you so much ash for making time to join us thank you so much 
Can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Ash. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely enjoyed being on the show. All right, fantastic. Goodbye. Yeah, bye. Thank you. Thank you so much, our listener, for being part of this great conversation. And if you love listening to this podcast, remember to subscribe on your favorite listening app for free today. Please be sure to rate and review us. The reviews helps other listeners to find us. Let us also know what you like best about this podcast. And always remember that the conservation conversation is for everyone. Stay safe and stay blessed. Goodbye.